Hello, and welcome to the Recreate Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Brandy Boyd, and I am so excited that you are listening as I share insight using evidence-based research to help you recreate a new you to live your healthiest life. Did you know 70% of Americans have issues with sleep and say that they can't sleep? So if this is you, you're not alone. But the great news is, is that you don't have to continue to be part of the statistic. You can actually change. It's almost never too late to fix your sleep because your body was actually designed for optimal sleep. So it's just about educating yourself and taking steps to recreate your body so that it can function optimally as it was made to do so that you can live your healthiest self. So In the last two episodes, I shared why we need sleep and the stages of sleep. So if you didn't listen to those, I encourage you to go back and listen because today I'm going to continue, but I'm going to talk about what controls your sleep. So what does control your sleep? It's something called circadian rhythm. Now, before you X out because you're like, oh, this is way too scientific, hang with me because I'm trying to explain this in layman's terms and be really interactive and it's going to be very practical. So what is circadian rhythm? Circadian rhythm is simply your body's internal clock. So just like a regular clock, it works 24 hours. So your body's clock works 24 hours. It doesn't just work at night. So your sleep or your inability to sleep is often a daytime problem from the moment that you wake up in the morning. So how does circadian rhythm work? So there's two hormones, melatonin and cortisol, and it's not just about having these hormones, but it's about having them in a balanced way that makes your circadian rhythm work or not work. Are you enjoying this podcast? I hope so, and I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the information to take action to live your healthiest self. I would really appreciate if you would leave a review or rating on whatever platform you listen to podcasts, share with a friend, and even take a screenshot of the podcast to share on your social media and tag Recreate Health so that others can be informed and take action to live their healthiest selves as well. Also, if you want more evidence-based nutrition and wellness tips, I would love if you would follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Recreate Health and Wellness. The links are in the show notes on my website at recreate.fit. So first, let's talk about melatonin. Melatonin is actually something that your body naturally makes. It's not just something that you can buy in a pill form. So it's actually created by your brain, and it's what makes you sleepy. Cortisol, on the other hand, is the pop-up toaster hormone. You know that person that wakes up in the mornings and is like, bing, I'm alive, and the world is an amazing place. It's the pop-up toaster. It's cortisol. Now, cortisol has a little bit of a negative reputation right now because of stress and how it impacts you and you you have too much cortisol in your body, but cortisol is actually good. It's the driving factor. It's needed for health. You need both melatonin and cortisol, but you need them in a balanced way. So what impacts this balance? What impacts these hormones? 
number one reason, number one factor is light. Now, I know that sounds a little simple, but let me explain. So the light or the absence of light impacts our retina. It hits our eye and it tells our brain what to do. So specifically, if there is light hitting our eye, cortisol is ramped up and melatonin is decreased. Whereas in darkness, or if light is not hitting our eye, then serotonin is made, which gets transformed into melatonin. And our brain says, hey, cortisol, hey, pop-up toaster, we don't need you right now. You can decrease. So practically what this means is that you need light in the mornings as soon as you get up to tell your brain to produce cortisol, that pop-up toaster, but then in the evenings, you need to be avoiding light. You need darkness so that your brain will tell your body to make melatonin to make you sleepy. So this sounds really simple. And one research study actually looked at this. They had the participants simply go outside within five minutes of when they woke up every day. And they slept 54 minutes longer just from getting outside and getting some sunshine as soon as they woke up. So follow creation. Earth has a clock. So when the sun is up, be up. When the sun is down, be down. Because that light impacting your retina, impacting your brain, is impacting those hormones, which is impacting your body's internal clock, hence your sleep. So getting light in the morning keeps melatonin reduced so that you're not sleepy all day. But unfortunately, Americans only get about 20 minutes of light a day, and it's usually not when you first wake up, which is when it's most important. So that's why my biggest tip for improving circadian rhythm, hence your sleep, is light, getting outside in the morning. So when your alarm clock goes off, don't lay there and read social media and the news and get stressed and start judging and being jealous of others anyway, which is not healthy. Just throw some clothes on and go outside for at least 15 minutes without sunglasses because you want that light hitting your eye to tell your brain to stop making the sleepy hormone and start making the pop-up toaster hormone. It's really important. But also try just being outside more during the day. Maybe eat breakfast outside or eat lunch outside. When you have that afternoon slump at work, go outside even if it's just for five minutes. Don't reach for the coffee, which I'll talk about later. Reach for the sun. Get more sunshine. Go for a walk. It doesn't have to be long, but just try to get some more light during the day. It's impacting your sleep at night. So that's how to get started in your day. Now, the evening time. You need darkness for your body to make melatonin. And the more that you sleep, the more that your body makes melatonin. So consistency is important. And just a side note about melatonin. It is an over-the-counter supplement that is more and more common now. And as we get older, as we age our body actually does not make as much melatonin as it used to. So supplementing can be beneficial. 
And my husband and I actually do take the supplement form of melatonin occasionally, especially if we're switching time zones and our bodies are having to switch because we have this internal clock inside of us that's impacted. But not all supplements are created equal. So there's actually two different kinds of melatonin. There's a quick dissolve and there's a sustained release form. And so oftentimes people buy the quick dissolve form. And what that means is that when you take this, it releases all of the melatonin, two milligrams, five milligrams, however much you're taking, it releases it all at once. And so sometimes this is why people say, well, I tried melatonin, but it didn't work for me. It's probably because they were taking the quick dissolve form. The sustained release form, on the other hand, it releases it slowly throughout the night, which is what our bodies are naturally doing. Our brain says, okay, it's dark. Here's some melatonin to make you sleepy. It's still dark or not getting light. Here's some more melatonin to keep you asleep. So that's actually what the sustained release form is doing is it's slowly releasing it throughout the night. And this makes a really big difference. So that's just a little helpful tip. If you are taking a supplement form of melatonin or you're looking for one, make sure that you choose the sustained release formula. Now, I know that you're probably thinking, Brandy, I don't sleep with the lights on during the night. I don't sleep with the TV on during the night. So what's the big deal? It's not just about nighttime. It's what you're doing before you go to bed, specifically within two hours. So there's this thing called blue light. You may have heard of it, but let me explain what it is. So blue light can be natural. It's actually what the sun emits during the day. It's blue light. It's what gives us energy. And so it's stimulating. But if we're getting blue light in the evenings, it's stimulating, it's hitting our brain, it's hitting our eyes, and we're not producing melatonin making us sleepy. So we need to be reducing our exposure to blue light in the evening, specifically two hours before you go to bed. So one simple way to do that is to not be on electronic devices within two hours of going to bed. So yes, at eight o'clock, I take my phone and I put it on airplane mode for extra, you know, support of not getting Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and everything. And it doesn't need to be on anyway. And I go and I take it and I put it on its charger in another room that's not my bedroom two hours before I go to bed. Now, if that's not something that you can do, blue light blocking glasses are a great alternative because blue light is actually in our devices, even the Kindle paper whites. And so I like to read before I go to bed, but this is emitting blue light. So blue light blocking glasses is something I can simply wear and I can read my Kindle at night. Blue light blocking glasses are actually really cheap nowadays. You can find them on Amazon for less than $20. And so you simply just put them on at eight o'clock, two hours before I go to bed. I give my glasses to my husband. I put my glasses on and we at least are blocking the blue light that is going on in our world. So if we're watching a TV show or maybe we have to be on our computer late one night for some reason or whatever else, we're at least blocking that light that's coming from our devices. 
You can also change the setting on your devices to decrease the amount of blue light that it's giving. So mine specifically starts at 2 p.m. so that I'm reducing the amount of blue light I'm getting as the day goes on. Now, if you have kids, kids are even more sensitive to blue light. So they need even a longer time without electronic devices, without that blue light hitting their eyes, usually about four to five hours. So this is why glasses are even more encouraged because kids can put these glasses on, you know, at six o'clock in the evening. And that way, if they're watching TV or they're having to be on their computers because of school or they're reading on their devices, whatever it is, they can do that without having that full-on blue light hitting their eyes by having the by having the glasses on. Now, blue light is not just in devices. It's actually in fluorescent lights, which is what most of our lights that we have now in our homes are made of. And so again, blue light blocking glasses for me are the easiest way to not have to think about it because you can put them on and you know that it's blocking all the light coming from all different things in your home and you don't have to worry about it. But the other thing to do is try to make your bedrooms pitch black. Go crazy. Have black tape, cover things up, have black curtains. I used to actually make fun of my husband for blocking things. This is before I knew about this. But it's actually true. Your body has melatonin receptors all over your body, not just on your eyes. And so any traces of light can stimulate those receptors and tell your brain to stop making melatonin, keeping you asleep. And so masks can be helpful with covering your eyes, but we want to cover everything. So if they're, you know, if your charging devices have lights on them or your alarm clock is not, you know, an old school alarm clock and it's digital and it's you know, having some form of light, then that can be impacting it. So cover those up, go old school, but try to make your bedroom as pitch black as possible. So that is light. And I'm really passionate about this because as you now understand, light directly impacts melatonin and cortisol, which impact your sleep. But what else impacts your circadian rhythm, your body's internal clock? The first is caffeine. Now, I know that this may be getting a little bit personal and that we can really be sensitive about our coffee, but let me explain. Caffeine has a similar chemical makeup to adenosine, which is something that our bodies produce after we eat glucose or carbs. And what it does is caffeine will actually attach to these receptors in our body and it blocks your sleep drive, causing you to not be sleepy. So that's why sometimes if you drink coffee at five, you can't go to sleep because it's blocking your sleep drive. But maybe you're like, well, Brandy, I am not one of those people because I can have an espresso at eight o'clock at night and go to sleep and not have any problems. Well, good job, but you're probably not getting quality sleep because as I talked about in the last episode, it's impacting your REM and your deep stages of sleep. So while you may be actually going to sleep and going to bed quickly, you may not be getting quality sleep, which is going to impact the rest of your day and how you function when you're asleep or when you're awake. Sorry. 
So caffeine actually has a seven hour half-life. So really you shouldn't be having caffeine after 2 p.m. Caffeine is not just in coffee. Caffeine is in tea. Caffeine is even in chocolate. I know I love chocolate, really dark chocolate, but we really should not be having it later in the day because it's blocking our sleep drive, causing us to not be sleepy. Another thing that can impact circadian rhythm is having inconsistent waking up and bedtimes. So we each have a different chronotype, which is simply the science of what affects our personal internal body clocks from environment to routine to schedules. So this is why some people are night owls and others like myself are morning early birds. So recognizing your personal chronotype when you are most motivated, most energized, or most relaxed is how you can use this to your advantage. But the key is to be getting up and going to sleep at roughly the same time each and every day. Yes, that means even on the weekends. Because oftentimes, if during the week we're going to bed, we're going to sleep roughly at the same times, but then on the weekends, we're staying out late or we're sleeping in, that's messing up our body's internal clock. So when Monday morning comes around... The pop-up toaster hormone is not working so great because our clock doesn't really know what's going on because it was messed up on the weekend. So just being consistent with when you go to sleep and when you go to bed will impact your ability to go to sleep at night and to have more optimal and quality sleep. Reminder. I am not a doctor, lawyer, psychiatrist, or astronaut. All information is intended to motivate listeners to make their own nutrition and health decisions after consulting with their healthcare provider. I encourage you to consult a doctor before making any health changes, especially any changes related to a specific diagnosis or condition. No information on this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any disease or condition. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I just want to thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I hope that you will subscribe so you can join me again for next week's episode as I continue discussing what impacts our circadian rhythm, specifically talking about food, exercise, and medications. Hope to see you then.